This is an audio version of a Paddlecast video live stream, which you can still find on British Canoeing's Facebook page and YouTube channel. Today, Etienne Stott is with Hugo Tagholm from Surfers Against Sewage. Hello, good evening, everybody. Ah, oh, man, thanks so much for coming here again tonight. It's a beautiful evening out there, and super grateful for you coming in to join us all again for another edition of the Paddlecast. It's Thursday evening. We're live again on British Canoeing on all social media channels. And if you're joining us on the watching again, thank you so much for coming in. Really appreciate you catching up with us. That's super cool. And also, if you know, we've also converted all the previous episodes into podcasts now. So you can find them on the Clear Access Clearwater website. So it's been a lovely week. I, uh, I'm sure people are enjoying it. Beautiful if you've managed to get out on the water. And, uh, you know, tonight, in keeping with some of our, tonight with our guests that we've got on, I don't know if anyone's been out noticing some of the uh, rubbish and pollution, plastic pollution in our waterways, or perhaps some people have been out checking that out. We've uh, had some photos in from uh, my my old buddy, Pete Astles, one of the guests from the uh, previous shows, has been showing some of the stuff that we've been fishing out of the river. Also, amazingly, we know some of the other members of the British canoeing family have been on the water cleaning up our rivers and canals. We've joined actually live something new for us tonight. We've got one of British Canoeing's employees, Ben Seal, is on the water as we speak on the mighty River Derwent in Derbyshire, scoping things out. And I'm wondering, Ben, can you hear us? I can hear you, Etienne. Nice Greetings one. from Derby. Here's the Derwent. And a beautiful evening it is here on the, uh, in Derbyshire. And it looks absolutely beautiful, man. I can see the reflection on the water, the little ripples. Capital work. Oh man, I, the, I, I can't hear a thing apart from birds. And me. Awesome. Oh, and you, of course. Yeah, obviously. But it couldn't be more idyllic. Um, but, you know, where I'm sat at the moment is, uh, uh, again, I, I didn't plan this at all. I literally pulled in. But you can see just down here, I'm surrounded by um, a Costa coffee cup and a few plastic lids. And just in the tree above me up here, you probably can't see, but it's, there's, there's beautiful white blossom all over the tree. Uh, and and then a lot of plastic bag that's been intertwined. So I'm going to be pulling that out in a second. So it's pretty grim in places. But it's all well, mate. It's going to be good by the time you've dealt with it. So yeah, we'll catch you up later in the show. And this kind of brings me neatly onto our guest. Thanks for coming in there, Ben. But tonight we've got an amazing, uh, really privileged to have Hugo Tagholm. Um, he's the CEO of the National. Marine Conservation and Campaigning Charity, Surfers Against Sewage, also called SAS. And SAS is a charity that takes action from the beaches all the way to Parliament. So it has uh, really mobilised, you know, many, many people. It says 100,000 people have been mobilising its beach and river cleans, basically getting volunteers to come in and try and, and introduce and enforce new government legislation to protect our seas. And it's really working very hard in those areas. And Hugo is an environmentalist. He's an award-winning campaigner. He's a surfer. He's a charity professional. And like me, he's even appeared on a TED stage. So that's pretty cool. So Hugo, uh, I hear that you're actually buddies with Harry and Meghan and the Foo Fighters. Is that right? Ah, well, well. You, could, you, you know that it that way. I, I well, that was a, that was a very very kind uh, introduction. Um, you know, I'm flattered. I'm really delighted to uh, join you um, tonight um, for this this podcast for this uh, live uh, uh, broadcast. Um, and um, and thanks for for having me. Um, 
you know, we uh, I, I get to do all sorts of exciting things through Surface Against Surge. First and foremost, to protect the spaces we love, you know, whether it's our beaches around the coastline um, or whether it's, um, you know, the rivers that connect with them and work with hundreds of thousands of, of amazing campaigners and volunteers um, who join us um, to fight plastic pollution and other big issues. And in the course of all of that, we've had some amazing privilege um, to uh, to meet meet. Uh, incredible um, leaders, um, people like Sir David Attenborough. Um, I, I will say uh, the, the the Foo Fighters um, uh, in passing um, because of my work. Um, and uh, we were very lucky to be one of the uh, charities selected by Harry and Meghan for their um, for their wedding um, a couple mm. of years ago. And it was a great privilege to be there on the day um, and to have the spotlight of what was such a huge global event shine shine directly onto the issues that we work on, um, particularly plastic pollution, which is such a huge issue. Um, you know, on our rivers, as we just heard from Ben, um, you know, who was there on the beautiful river right next to the usual offenders, usual suspects of plastic pollution bags and and takeaway cups and bottle tops. Um, and, um, you know, it's such a big issue for everyone. So to, to use a, a global platform like that to engage people, to take people on a new journey about how we not only pick up plastic and tackle plastic directly but much more importantly change the systems that yeah, control absolutely. it and change yeah. the consumption levels that really are driving the plastic pollution in our rivers and on mm. our coastline no man so hugo yeah absolutely it's clear from the from the very outset and you know just checking out some of your stuff you're you're right on it and you've been going for for a very long time with uh sas and i was just kind of wondering you know just as usual we always have to ask this question what's the lockdown been like for you you know and i, and I wonder what the surfing's been like because i can almost i can't quite hear them i could just imagine the waves out to the side of the window there but what, what have you yeah been I'd, I'd, I'd like it that if they were just there um out of my window i, I live i live in a sort of uh in the capital in truro so um so i'm a bit away from the sea about 20 minutes from my favorite okay. spot oh, um, that's just my imagination that- but I, I overlook the sea from my desk uh, when I'm in the office, which is rarer now at the moment because we're all working remotely. Um, and I was in the water this morning at six o'clock. It was a beautiful day. I surfed at my favourite spot uh, um, just up on the north coast, um, a lovely to the left-hand peak. And, um, and uh, yeah, it, was, it wasn't big. It was sort of just head high. Um, surfed a board that I shaped last year, a wooden board with a guy called James Otter. Um, I shaped that last year and um, it was it was really nice start the day the sun rising not too many people in um, and it was uh, it was my my bit of exercise for today so yeah it was uh, great to get some vitamin C great to start the day in that way but lockdown has been a, a really strange combination of course first and foremost in our minds is is of course the, the sort of tragedy that's unfolding around the country and around the world and our thoughts are with all of the people who are affected by this um, some of whom are quite you know quite close to me and um, which is a, a, a quite a you know a, you know such a huge thing for everyone to deal with mm-hmm. um, you know secondly of course I'm, I'm hugely grateful for the people who are on the front lines um, of this because you know we we are you know insulated as such in our in our work um, but people who are in the NHS friends and and people that we know and all of the people around the country are doing so much to help the country through this difficult time and the people around the world who are doing the same. But but the, the, these crises um, always always come um, not only with the, 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 the challenges, but they, they are also signposts for the things that we can do better 
um, how we can work differently, how we can treat our planet differently, how we can treat each other differently, and how we can really reevaluate the different parts of our lives that we find important and the things that we need to do, and how we can actually deliver a better world together. So I feel that, you know, in my own personal ecosystem, I'm doing that. But really importantly, within SAS, we're learning about um, how to be much more connected without travel. I mean, these sorts of things, we're using Teams and Zoom and Skype and all sorts of things to, to manage our days. Uh, the, the notion of all going to an office to be sat behind a fixed desk every day seems like a bit of an anachronism now. Really, we, you know, we can be much more flexible in our working approach. Um, and that can be good not only for each individual in terms of their well-being, but also in terms of our carbon footprint, the, the resources we consume as an organization. And that is transferable right around the world at any scale of organization. So it's an interesting time and the world is seeing interesting things. You know, we we've been um, you know, we've been hearing lots of stories about the recovery of nature or the perceived recovery of nature. Interestingly, Ben was out on the river. He said he could hear the bird song most of all. Yeah. And, that, and that's what we've all sort of sensed, I think, Etienne. You know, we, we can hear nature, we can see it. There's no. Have you noticed how loud the jets sound at the minute? You know, the planes overhead, it's like so loud. When I hear one coming over, we're, you know, where I live in Nottingham, they're yeah. relatively near the airport. And the odd one that comes over, it's literally, I could never imagine how loud they were. It's just normally they're kind of drowned out by everything else. It's incredible. Yeah, it's strange. It's interesting you say that because I, I look out my window up at the blue sky with, with zero contrails in it. Um, and we see very few planes at the moment comparatively um, and it's almost like a, a strange thing when you see one you go oh, look there's there's a plane I wonder what it's sort of doing and yeah yeah um, and so I think it's um it, it's very interesting what we're understanding weirdly it's different in the global south so in the global north or, or or in countries like the UK fortunate enough to you know have the infrastructure and the things that we have here um, we, we sort of tend to see the, the, the positives of the lockdown in countries that are, are still you know, developing or developing countries around the world. There's actually quite a negative impact on, on natural habitats, more poaching, more uh, burning of burning of forests and destruction of forests, and more, um, more challenges. So it's quite a stark contrast between developed and developing nations. Yeah. The pressure has been unevenly distributed, right? But I think everyone's yeah. under pressure. That's the interesting thing here. I find, um, you know, yeah. that the, it's kind of everyone's feeling it, but some more than others are, and yeah. as usual, yeah. I suppose. And it's really interesting to sort of think, you know. And I guess, you know, it sounds like uh, in your work, your organisation, has it been busy? You know, getting doing stuff behind the scenes. Is it kind of what's going on in, in SAS right now? Yeah, well, I've never been busier. Myself and my team have never really been busier. We've, uh, you know, we've got a lot on, and we, we've got a lot of things we need to deliver, and a lot of communities that we need to look after and help empower to do the things that they need to do. So for us, you know, we've been dealing with not just what we need to deliver and how we do do that for the impact on our oceans and, and the wider environment, but also we've had to really consider how we look after, of course, our team and re. Re, um, redesign the work that we do, keep everyone safe, uh, keep everyone well, um, keep everyone sort of active uh, and making sure that we uh, we think about the whole ecosystem. So we've been hard at work on two fronts, the actual shape of the organisation and how we deliver things. Of course, a lot has gone into the digital space too. So we've done exciting campaigns during this period, like the Return to Offender campaign, where we've been ta documenting the sort of branded plastic pollution we see on our rivers um, mm. that we see in our streets that we see on our beaches and we've inspired thousands of people around the country to take part in that and documented a lot of plastic pollution of course we're seeing more 
now that people are back on the beaches, we're seeing more animated plastic pollution, more plastic pollution being left, more litter, um, mm. as most people would describe it. Um, so it's um, it's quite interesting. And, and of course, littering is a terrible thing and people shouldn't do it. Everyone should be responsible for their own sort of footprint, as it were. But what, what's really stark at the moment is just the sheer volume of plastic in people's lives at the moment and the lack of the systems to properly contain and control that. We mm -hmm. urgently need to challenge manufacturers to do more, to actually be responsible for a truly circular economy, a truly circular system that captures their packaging and turns it back into packaging domestically. We mustn't be shipping out our plastic pollution problem to other countries. We must be dealing with it here in the UK and making sure that that is a really viable industry, a green industry that's creating much more circularity and, and giving people somewhere to put the, the, the tons of plastic that, mm. that, that, that surrounds them in our shops and our day-to-day -day lives. No, I think that's totally, you know, I'm, I, I totally hear, you know, this idea of, you know, bewildering difficulties dealing with our waste you know like plastic you know people what do I do with this you know what can I do is this right can I put that in there and it's actually it requires a sort of system level kind of sorting out doesn't it and you know to be honest I, I, yeah it sounds like what you're doing this is really 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 important because you know people themselves they want to make changes people are aware of this I guess um, but yeah. sometimes they're still kind of stymied and, and kind of don't know what to do about it so it's good to, yeah. good to hear you sort of saying that. Well, we lead busy lives, don't we? And actually, people need some of this stuff simplified for them. They need to be sure that, you know, when they put something in the recycling, it ends up being recycled into a high-quality product that is then you know, put back into the marketplace. That's true circularity. And indeed, actually, true circularity would be a bottle turning back into a bottle, for example. Yeah. And, or a bottle that you give back and comes yeah, back and as without, a bottle. And without, you know, lots of, you know, plastic miles beneath it, you know, we shouldn't be exporting this problem in this industry sort of elsewhere and so that's why at surface against sewage we we not only mobilize and empower hundreds of thousands of people to take part in beach cleans to monitor plastic to record plastic pollution at the beaches um, to hold brands to account but we also campaign of course for legislation changes very successfully alongside other organizations we campaign for the plastic bag charge uh, which has already reduced plastic bags circulation by about 20 billion, I believe. Um, we've seen the, the the very successful campaign for a deposit return scheme, which of course is yet to be implemented, but we were yeah, one of the lead voices mm. in calling for that, which which by putting just a small additional charge, which you get back on a bottle. I mean, some people of sort of my age will remember taking our white's lemonade bottles back to the, the shop or whatever it might have been to get your 20p back. But um, that, that can, can mean we can drastically increase recycling rates and create a domestic recycling economy and make sure that we're not offshoring our plastic pollution problem. And those sorts of things are, are systems-based and give people the opportunity to do the right thing with their, their plastic containers and be part of a, a cleaner ocean and a cleaner river agenda. Absolutely, man. I get what you're saying. And and, and just let, letting everybody know, welcome to everybody who's joining us. Thanks for coming in. We've got uh, some questions coming in from, from people. We've got Rebecca Lovat has said, you know, what's the future plans for Service Against Sewage and what's going on that is, you know, that you're able to get done with this, uh, you know, with the lockdown and the, and the sort of social distancing guidelines going on? Hey, Rebecca. Um, yeah, thanks for joining us um, this evening. And a really, really good question. Um, and I'd probably be a very rich man if I actually knew when we could all properly get back together. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, but um, I think 
we're hoping, you know, we're already seeing a, a change at the moment. We're seeing a, a change in the the, the social um, sort of the, the, the way we can sort of behave socially. Of course, where we can be outside more at the moment, but we we have the the health and safety and well being of our volunteers and supporters at the forefront of our minds, and also being um, responsible um, as a charity to make sure that we're not we're not creating any issues for the wider society, for the NHS or anyone. So mm. we're watching the situation very carefully. Um, we're, of course, doing lots of digital actions, which we hope that you and, and all of the people watching can be involved with. And we anticipate that the autumn time may be um, a time that we can bring people back together in a in a safe way at the beaches. Um, and so we've got some plans afoot around that. Um, but we are reviewing it all of the time. Um, it could um, it could be, of course, that people talk about the, the virus coming back in the autumn. And so there is also a thought that the 2021 is 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 the really sort of safe time when people will come back together in really big groups on the beach and be able to do those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And for us, the, the, you know, of course, beach cleans are one of the fundamental things we do to trap plastic pollution, to empower people, to bring the community together in a common cause and common message. But there'll be other things. We're going to be doing a lot around climate and oceans um, in from the autumn onwards in the build-up to COP26 next year. We're going to be doing more exciting things around monitoring thing, uh, the impacts on marine protected areas next year, which volunteers will be able to be involved with. We're going to do a lot more around water quality, which is a big issue that's coming back. Um, we're about to launch a big petition next week called End Sewage Pollution, and that will also lead into some opportunities for people to take some citizen science action with us around water quality. And interestingly, for for the British Canoeing Association and for Etienne, we're going to really focus on the the, the really big problem in our rivers as well, because our rivers are in not a great state. Only 14% of our rivers meet good ecological status in England at the moment. And we don't think that's good enough, particularly given that they all ultimately flow down to the sea so we need to improve our water quality in rivers and on our coastline so what's this citizen science thing tell me about that because that sounds kind of cool yeah well you know we do lots of different things for citizen science so as rebecca might have been involved with you know our beach cleans are very much part of that so we've done brand audits at the beach about which are the biggest brand polluters that we find on the beach we do materials audits about the different types of materials we're finding washed up on our beaches or deposited on our beaches um we're going to be doing lots uh, more on health so we've got a good track record of doing lots of citizen science engaging people with health and well-being around the blue environment Um, and into next year we're going to be doing some citizen science around water quality testing so actually empowering people to test waters with us rivers and our ocean to make sure that we can uh, compare and contrast these sort of official statistics as it were that are out there which we believe are sometimes questionable and overlooking some of the worst pollution incidents yeah that's kind of interesting right because i suppose um you know when i go canoeing on on my river river trent you know what is clear you know what is clean Uh, actually i I think uh, you know it's worth it's kind of would be maybe interesting to know what that actually is um because i i think actually the river trent is quite good but you know we're all it's all relative right and i suppose we just might not even know what clean rivers actually actually are so that'll be interesting to find out the question is that you know also is is you know what you know what is you know clean to the eye and, and what is actually clean mm. because of course pathogens are you know microscopic and you can have a seemingly very clear sort of body of water that is actually quite polluted in terms of the potential risks mm. to your own sort of health um and you know each and every river is not only different but they also fluctuate in their water quality so you know we need we need to be 
sure of a few things. One, one of the things we need to know about is when pollution is actually being put into the rivers by our water companies and by you know other other industries. So we we do a service on the coastline called the Safer Sea Service, which reports in real time when sewage pollution is released into our onto our, mm. our beaches, some of our favourite beaches. And that's very, very important public health and safety information about where they can make an informed decision about whether to use the water or not and take yeah. that sort of risk. Because, of course, sewage pollution brings a lot of risks with it um, when people come into contact with it. And, and sadly, our rivers have even more sewage pollution going into them. And some of them are becoming, as you know, more than most people, Etienne. Our rivers are increasingly important to health and well-being in society. These blue spaces where people canoe, they paddleboard, they kayak, they swim, and they do triathlons. You know, we can't be using these as a dumping ground for industry. We need to be protecting these. We need to be using the same sort of legislation that our coastline saw in the 1990s to actually clean up our rivers. We need to be calling for a transformation in how we think about our rivers. Mm. Yeah, I mean, look, so I've got a question here from Brendan Malloy. He said, practically, what can, can you do if you live a long way from the sea? And I suppose that's what we're talking about. You know, the rivers are the sea in the end, right? And it's, you know, yeah, that's and Brendan, great question again. And, and, you know, actually, our mission statement is creating ocean activists everywhere. And as a, as a, uh, I assume you're an ocean lover, Brendan, um, and, and you share this sort of passion with, with us for the, the coastline. Um, you can do stuff every day to, uh, to protect the ocean. Of course, you can think about your spending habits, the amount of plastic you're um, you're consuming. You can you can of course go to a canal or river nearby and do a safe sort of uh, plastic pollution sort of litter pick. Um, you can take part in our sort of online and digital activations. Um, you know, quite straightforward. Loads of things on our website. Um, you can even become. You know, we've got lots of regional reps. You can connect with our regional reps. We've got 215 leaders around the country, people leading communities with us. We've got reps in London. We've got reps in um, in Newcastle, in Edinburgh, in Birmingham. So all sorts of places. Um, and there may be one close to you that you can connect with. So lots of things going on. Um, and in the UK, you're never that far away from the coastline. So hopefully no, sure. you can, you know, you can, you can get there from time to time. But um, please do look at our website. Lots to see there, sas.org.uk. Good plug. I like it. It's quick there. It's a short plug as well. SAS three yeah. letters. I like it. So Hugo, you know, I'm just wondering what, you know, what's your journey to get here? Because I heard you were born in, in Camden or you live, you grew up in Camden, right? So that's, you know, the, you said we're not far from, from the seas and rivers around in this country, but you know, you've obviously been on quite some journey to end up as, as this, you know, in this sort of, um, in this space as you are now. Do you want to just give us a bit of a bit of a backstory? That'd be really interesting. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, yeah, I, I would consider myself first and foremost a sort of an environmentalist, and I, from as a very young boy in North London, I grew up in in sort of more sort of leafy North London um, near, near Muswell Hill, and I um, I had a uh, an incredible sort of garden actually, and I had an incredible uh, wild bit of land at the bottom of the garden with ponds in it that I used to endlessly be found in you know, hunting for things. And I had a room that was filled with with sort of natural history artifacts that I found from around the the countryside and on holidays. Um, you know, whether it's shells or broken birds' eggs or feathers or whatever I found, uh, you know, that fascinated me. I had it all sort of Do you know um, how that started? How did that get in? How did you get into that? Did you, you read books or was it, you know, yeah, how, did, how did a kid get started? I, I, had, I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest with you, Etienne, and I, I, I haven't said it many times, but I had such a collection of books 
of, of animals. I had lots of reptiles that I kept. I had uh, these whole walls of things in my room as a, as a young boy that my junior school class, my teacher used to bring my class around to, to as a, like a visit, a school visit to my oh, room. I mean, yeah, so cool. I'm, I'm not sure whether that's like a cool thing or a really uncool thing, but anyway, that's what happened. Um, cool. and my parents my parents were francophiles and used to take me and my brothers tom and theo down to southwest france a lot um and down to cornwall a lot um and we uh, and i fell in love with you know of course the, the natural things that i saw in those places the brilliant beaches the amazing wildlife but also i fell in love with uh, the ocean of course and and surfing you know through a, a you know a convoluted route of you know bodyboards and, and various surfboards and it's really it's really that that took me on this journey and, and and surface against sewage fuses two things for me it's my passion for nature and my passion for sport I'm not a brilliant sportsman but I I, I love sport I love running I love swimming I love surfing um, I love other sports and so this is really the nexus of the two things I enjoy most professionally I, I got here by um I, uh, I spent. I studied at Exeter University, and I um, when I left university, I worked in London, and I worked for some charities. I worked with Gordon Brown's wife for a long time, running her children's charity with her, okay. um, and um, and I went to the Stop Climate Chaos Coalition and various other sort of charities after that. But um, for all of that period, I'd been really interested in surface against sewage and the, the campaigns of the nineties. And I got more and more involved as a campaigner and activist on the sort of side as I did other things. And, and then this opportunity came up to, to sort of to take over in, in, in 2008. Um, and the organisation was in sort of a bit of a rough and ready state then. It had some great people leading it, but it, it needed some other things to bring it to sort of full health. Um, and um, I had the charity experience and it was something that combined my sort of passion. So I... Um, I jumped at it. I first really got to know them back in 91. I took part in a surf competition in, in Polzeth in Cornwall. And um, and it's there that I met some of the sort of founders the year after it was founded. And I sort of got um, got, got sort of involved and got to know them. And um, But yeah, professionally, 2008 is when I, I, I uh, took the reins. And hopefully I've sort of given it a good, good, uh, good boost and good lease of life. We, you know, we certainly uh, seems that way. Yeah. We reach more people than we ever have, and we've, you know, created legislation for the sort of first time in our history. We've, um, you know, we've we've really sort of won hearts and minds around the the sort of country and around the world. And for me, I, I truly believe in. Of course, you need the you need the skills, science, and experience around you. And I'm I'm really proud to work with some brilliant campaigners and brilliant people on my board in my executive team and you know we're in our volunteering network but um i truly believe authenticity and passion and and truth um in, in this day and age is very important and we're mm-hmm. a very transparent organization we're really connected with the ocean you know with people who really truly believe and live and breathe in what we do and i think that's very important so yeah that is, i mean uh, i think what we're saying that authenticity now is an interesting thing right because we can the, the internet kind of shows it but you know is, is, is good i think it can be it can it can hide it quite a bit but i think people have got a good nose for it so it's interesting i was just Absolutely, going to bring yeah. you back and and ask you if you've got you know the most famous surfer that i know is, is kelly slater i'm assuming yeah. that's a fairly good line now, let's say that's yeah. like here and then there's like me here i'm a yeah. zero out of ten at surfing and he's let's mm-hmm. say a 10 out of 10 whereabouts would you put yourself in terms of, 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 of surfing skills you can be as it can be as as bold and as as uh, as honest as you want to be. Where what do you reckon? 
<laughs> and you've got to see me surfing, you know, so you can imagine someone surfing like me very bad. So I um look, I um I'm no Kelly Slater. I'm mm. uh, I, I'm 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 I would say sort of truthfully, I'm I'm in the in the lower echelons. I'm probably like a four or something, truthfully. Or you know, mm. if, if I see what's above me. The, the truth of the matter is is you know, people often feel compelled in sports, particularly men, sadly. To, 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 to always compare themselves to the best. And I'm sure people in, in canoeing compare themselves to you. Yeah. You know, because they go, oh, I want to be like, I want to be like that. I want to be able to do that. And and sadly with the machismo that goes with surfing, you know, people often go, I want to be, you know, I want to be like Kelly. I should be like that. That's where I'm going mm. to be. But each person should find their their norm, their, the thing that that motivates and inspires and makes them happy. So if surfing three foot you know, Fistral Beach on a on a like easy, nice day is your sort of maximum. If that's your thing, then that's great. Just enjoy that. If you love to surf ten foot, you know, if you love to surf ten foot reefs and that's your thing, and and you're safe and happy doing that, then great. That's your sort of maximum level. It, it, it shouldn't be sort of comparative between people. My, you know, you know, I love surfing sort of overhead waves at, at beaches around here. You know, five five foot, whatever. Um, offshore days you know that's that's my thing I'm not a big wave charger I'm not a pro you know but um, I love being in the water I can surf waves and you know I, I feel really inspired by it and I think it can be really dangerous to sort of comparative game within surfing because because then people feel like I'm not sort of good enough with it but actually it's how much fun you're having and and that's mm. an internal thing and that's absolutely for you and yeah, yeah. if you're having really good fun in the white water with your kids or your your, your friends are just as much a surfer as, as as Kelly. You know, it's 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 cool. Enjoy it. Yeah. Don't let anyone no, take that from you. I dig what you're saying, man. I, I think it's something I've I've certainly connected with more since I retired from competitive paddling. You know, I was a I was a competitor, but then now yeah. I sort of like actually I can I get a lot of fun, just pleasure, really, just from from canoeing. Simply just yeah. even flat water. I'm really I'm I surprised myself, and and I think I guess. Yeah, you know, the, the thing that I was thinking about when you were talking there is, you know, Olymp Olympics has now got surfing in. You know, yep. that's, that's going to change the dynamics for for a lot of yeah. that sport, and I'm I'm kind of fascinated at how that will change it and develop it because it certainly changed, you know, canoe slalom. Uh, well, look, it's, how did it change it? I'm mean, really interested by how that how that manifested itself. Well, I think it was because it had to become good for tv right you know had mm. to you know so back in the day before canoe slalom was on in the olympics it used to be like a long you know it used to be like four minute runs and then the first time it was came back into olympics in 1992 it changed it to be short enough to be fun for tv you know because people want to see action and yeah. so now now it changed you know we now our races are about 90 seconds you know so they're much more yeah. intense much more technical and I guess, you know, you have also a professionalization of, of a sport when it comes into the Olympics, you know, certainly in this country, because it goes hand in hand with with funding. So yeah. I'm interested about, you know, like the sort of, um, I suppose, from the outside, you would kind of imagine surfing and what you've said is very, it's a bit more, you know, potentially soulful, a bit more of a personal experience. There's not so much comparative, you know, comparative yeah. side of it. And then you're introducing this whole aspect to it. And I'm sure that, you know, I think that's fun and it's interesting and it probably drives standards. But also, you know, you can't hold on to everything at once. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you know, you know, one thing you can never stop is that, you know, this sort of, of course, that it changes a constant thing, and and what we're seeing, you know, surfing has changed radically, even in my. So, I mean, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm a relatively old guy, you know, <laughs> but um, you know, in my life, you know, I've seen 
surfing changed so much and so many people sort of come to it since I was surfing, you know, as a, a young boy, um, you know, back in the sort of late 80s, sort of, you know, um, it, it, it has changed so much and it's, it's much more of a, you know, profession, you know, it's, you know, it's a high street thing. It's, you know, it's a, you know, it's of course a lot more professional, um, a lot more exposure around it. I mean, there was just not this level of exposure around it and this level of participation when I was a, when I was a kid. Um, and some of that's really good. It's great that the masses can be involved in such a cool thing. Um, I mean, in, in a funny sort of way, there's quite a conflict in the surfing sort of zone about the, the, the professionalization and the Olympics and everything. You know, some people think, you know, surfing is this counterculture thing that should remain over here. Other people mm. want it to be fully professionalized and it should be this legitimate sport that they can get more funding, can get more people in the water. There's, of course, the boom that goes hand in hand with this wave pool. So, you know, good quality sort of surfing waves are being manufactured in pools, you know, around yeah. the world. I'm in the UK. And those things are sort of really interesting sort of paradigms because. You know, for a lot of people, surfing is about being in nature. It's about it's about going to the beach. It's about getting your feet sandy. It's about the toil you have to put into getting your perfect wave. And when yeah. you, as it were, earn something, when you toil to get something, the reward is so much bigger. You know, you you um, start to work out where the tides are at your local beach, when it works best. You wait for the swell, the winds in the right direction you get some days when it's not so good and you feel a bit annoyed, but then you get the day that's really perfect and that reward yeah. is a really big reward. And there's a thing about sort of the dance with nature that is a really fundamental part of surfing, mm. about that that sort of learning process of connecting all of those synapses to, to end up on that wave. So all of the decisions I made to end up on my waves this morning, the way I got there, I positioned myself, I knew the wave, you know, those things are really important to a lot of people. That said, the notion of being able to pay your 40 quid to go and surf for an hour somewhere and you're guaranteed a sort of surfing experience is a is also like a, an attractive proposition to many. No, I love what you said there about that sort of toil because, you know, I guess, you know, that sort of park and play side of it is really interesting compared to the sort of, you know, you kind of have to suffer, right? And I'm, I've been surfing again just a few times, you know, and it's yeah. like, it is, you know, and it's frustrating and you might miss the way the one, the one that was there or you might yeah. get it and you chase that for perhaps some time, many, many years perhaps even. So mm. I love the idea but, of that. But I never forget, you know, that all of those times that you think are the bad surf actually are part of the process of getting to the good Absolutely. surf. It's yeah. always learning something. You're learning it. So I'm sure it's the same with paddling. It's the same with any sport, you know, the, the you know, the bad, you know, the, 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 the bad execution actually teaches you how to be better next time and when you're in the water and you don't quite align with the waves you're always thinking you're you're positioning yourself you're you're, you're learning of course you're keeping your fitness up so you know lots lots to be learned so i am um, you know i think it's sort of fascinating but again it's sort of interlinked with the, the olympic thing the uh you know these pools are built you know i've surfed them i've had fun in them um you know i'm not sure I've, i get the same feeling that i get when i'm in the ocean you know i don't come out with the same feeling i come out with a good feeling but uh, you know it's it's not not quite the same as ocean surfing um but it's cool and you know i know lots of people who have you know built or been involved in them and you know kudos to them you know they're, they're you know they're trying something new they're at the leading edge um and let's um you know let's you know applaud people you know trying stuff and and, and building a sort of a, a, a brave new sort of model in a way yeah man i hear what you're saying and i think it's a really um 
you know, I suppose that's a, this is an all interesting conversation. I've got one more question, but I'm going to, because I know that Ben is desperate to get back in. He's been, he's a right keen bean. He's been out on the river. Ben, how are you doing? Hello, we we, we want to hear what I'm you all right. I'm all right. I tell you what, Etienne, I've, Craig, I've, I've collected loads of stuff. Um, I, I, I'm not a big wine fan, but I've got some Waitrose wine if anybody wants it. Um, yeah. I've got loads and loads of plastic bags. I, I, I don't know about you, uh, Hugo, but this is one of my um, pet hates. This uh, the old plastic cup. Yeah. Um, but probably the worst is what I've just pulled up next to here in the tree. And, and, and hearing you talk a bit ago, Hugo, around the quality of water and what's discharged into the, the, the water. We do have a problem quite a lot with like sanitary wipes and, and yeah. wipes and things like that that just get washed in. Now, we had a lot of um, high river flows here uh, back end of last year, December, November, really, really quite bad, bad floods. And then, of course, that continued into uh, March. And, and I know there was lots and lots of rivers that were hit, but we've not been able to get out down here. But during those times, we get all this uh, stuff washed in and then it just hangs in the trees and you get these these clumps. I mean, I just pulled this from a tree. I don't know if you can see it. Yeah. It's just a clump of like flood debris that's just strewn with bits of plastic. And each yeah. one of those bits of plastic is slowly degrading into the water. And you get, um, I mean, I've got a big bunch of it down here in my boat, a big bunch of plastic that's just all breaking down. And, and it's really hard to capture it all and, and get it out of the water. But of course we have to, because that's what's ending up in our rivers and in our oceans, all the microplastic. Yeah. It's, it's, it's sad and it's a, a ridiculously hard task to do. And that's why we, we need as big an army as we can to get out on the waterways and, uh, and do it. Yeah, man. Well, look, mate, I'm going to let you go and enjoy the rest of your evening on the river. Thanks for joining us. It was a good little exercise in live TV. We've had no like the, the satellite beam has managed to find you. That's a good thing. Amazing, no, I wonder yeah. whether there's a market for this, Etienne. You know, whether there's this country file, they do, they do um, spring watch, don't they? You've got, I reckon we could do clean up watch, some kind of clean up live. It's got to yeah. be a, a program in there, do you reckon? Yeah, maybe not. not. Maybe it's not that. With someone, with some, with <laughs> a face like yours, we'll be, we're in business, mate. Uh, <laughs> thanks so much, guys. Take right. care. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, good. Keep up the good work. Nice one. No, so the, the question I was going to ask you there, Hugo, just before, um, that was like, the do, have you brought some of the knowledge some of the ethos of surfing into oh, you, you kind of must have it's, it's formed you it's shaped your life have you brought that into how is that expressed in in service against sewage or in the work that you do or in the way that you do it is that how does that well, come out well listen i think that we're um you know we sort of talked about authenticity but in terms of sort of surfing i think you need to you know there's always in life just generally you know there's some sort of risk taking and there's a there's a character and an attitude around you know sort of surfing in terms of um you know a, a sense of sort of freedom a sense of doing things you know quite differently and i think we are a charity sort of with a, a bit of a difference and you know we like to be be different and we're we're able to take some sort of pretty bold sort of actions and pretty bold moves and i think that's that's good the sector sort of needs it um we need to keep pushing on on various uh actors on you know in terms of the the, the sort of whole establishment to challenge them to say look we, we need we need to see more we need to see you know better results you know whether that's on plastic or water quality or the loss of biodiversity you know all of these things uh, climate change you know we know that the let's call it the you know the pre-pandemic status quo was 
just destroying the planet. You know, despite mm-hmm. successes that we've had, despite successes of other brilliant organizations around the UK or around the world, and despite many, many accords, agreements, targets, um, that you know, nature is in 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 a really serious sort of decline. Um, and we are we are pillaging lots of parts of our, our planet um, at our peril. And so for me, I think we need to have more of the challenger effect. We've seen the uprising in the past 18 months of great movements um, like the school strike, um, of course, led by Greta Thunberg. We've seen people being much more vocal about the need for more wholesale protection of our planet. And, you know, for me, th- that character needs to come to the surface because, um, you know, whilst we, you know, we want to collaborate with the most progressive businesses and work with the most progressive people, we can't be complacent to the things that are really damaging our planet. And that's that's the most important thing for us to be able to do. So that challenge, sort of attitude, and that slightly maverick spirit that might be characterised within surfing, I think, is important for us. Um, and it's never been more important for the world because you know we know that things just as usual aren't going to work, and we need to come back out of this this crisis with a blue recovery at the forefront of our minds. Um, and we need to recognize that even during this crisis, that, that there are other crises going on. The plastic pollution crisis hasn't gone away. The climate crisis hasn't gone away. The uh, homelessness crisis hasn't gone away. The AIDS crisis hasn't gone away. All of these things that we need to be taking action on haven't gone away. And so we need as a society to be able to deal with them simultaneously. And often there are interlinkages between them. So, you know, I'm more passionate than ever to use that to help, you know, work with as many people as possible to, to try and look for the biggest solutions. Mm, absolutely and i think that I, I like what you're saying there because it's this recognition um that i think people are sort of seeing now that this is all interlinked right you know that there's a sort of um connection between us individually and, and our and our communities and actually our communities are connected our communities are connected to, to the global community because this is happening all around the world and we're seeing this and, and i think that that connection as well to nature is happening because people have been out some people lucky enough not to be struggling too hard have managed to get out and they've seen all that stuff so there is this really fascinating thing and i suppose you know i I think that people are noticing this you know that like that down by my riverside today oh man it's really quite annoying there's a lot of litter there's a lot of stuff i just know it's going to blow into the river and that's kind of kind of sad and and, and annoying And, and, and i don't know so it's interesting what you're saying here is you know i think there is people are there's an appetite and i'm hoping that people yeah. will see that, that there's a there's a chance to do something different so we did a really interesting survey a few weeks ago uh, well a couple of weeks ago about the sort of response to the crisis with our members and it's one of sort of the digital things to, to that, that we put out we had thousands of people respond to it and you know uh, the, the public it seems are now looking at the crisis and adjusting their life lifestyles and their habits and they, i think the science sort of says it takes sort of 30 days to, to form a new habit properly and of course we've been um you know the crisis has been going on for what um since sort of the middle of march so sort of way way longer than that and people are learning new things and the survey showed that people uh, sort of seem to be committed to flying less uh, driving their car less they want to get uh, more sustainable options you know they've got a greater you know in their sort of packaging and um in their day-to-day sort of shopping habits and they've got a greater appreciation for nature i think people have truly realized what rivers mean to them what the ocean means to them so hugo just before i was i was going to ask you we had a question here from um, francis stewart she uh they were well i'm 
going to say they were asking um, if you've noticed a change in attitude amongst businesses in your timing service against Surge, because I suspect what you're saying there, there has been changes. And are you expecting even more changes coming forward, you know, in the way that businesses are going to engage with this? Yeah, look, we, we've definitely seen changes and we've seen some great business sort of leadership um, around plastics um, in some spaces. We've seen lots of adaptation. We're seeing, of course, lots of talk. You know, sustainability is now right at the forefront of the business mindset, but we need to make sure they're going fast enough and actually not just setting targets way in the distance, which then they fail to achieve. We need to see targets that are met and real commitment to driving forward faster at this stage. So, yes, there's lots of rhetoric. Yes, there's lots of commitments. But what we really need to see is action and faster action because we haven't actually got time to wait because, you know, the next 10 years is really critical for our environment mm. and, and change can happen quickly. And that's what the pandemic showed us. I mean, we've seen businesses pivoting on a dime during this period like really big businesses we've all had to yeah. change very quickly so now the notion if businesses come back to us saying look it's really impossible to move that quickly i think we've got the answer to say it's not impossible it just needs the will and the commitment to do it mm, absolutely i like what you're saying and i i, I think we're, we're absolutely right there because what we've seen in the last yeah the last few months the last few weeks is that a lot of things that were not possible can be done once they had decided to be done. And our governments and even yeah. people themselves are doing things that they would never have thought quite quite possible. So I think that's a quite a refreshing and inspiring point. And I think we're going to wrap it up around now because I feel like, you know, it's a beautiful evening. I don't want to, is, is there, how, how does it work surfing? Is there like two sets a day when you can go out surfing? How does it no, look, it's, it's really... It's really sort of tar- like based on tires and, uh, you know, um, you know, um, some, it depends where you are in the country, but down here, you know, sort of mid and sort of lower tides tend to be the, the sort of better tides. Um, the waves are a bit small now, I think. Um, it's dropped off a bit today, so I'm not going to get in t- tonight. Um, I'm going to go surfing with my son, Darwin, um, tomorrow, hopefully, um, in between or after work. I'm not sure. I've got to a hectic day of various things but um but yeah um uh you know surfing if i can get in twice a day i'm a very lucky man but um if i get in a couple of couple of three times a week i'm 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 pretty happy so that sounds good and i, I hear you man two or three times a week for me it's good good stuff so yeah. look hugo i want to say thank you so much for being here with us tonight um i really appreciate it uh, I, I hope that everyone has been listening and, and got thinking about it thinking about how they can get involved here it's just super super cool for you to be here and i really appreciate it so thank well, you thanks. so much for being here yeah, thanks thanks for having me and thanks for everyone um, listening tonight um and uh, yeah i hope you uh, have good good paddles wherever you may be yeah man yeah man so next week we're going to be uh we've got another episode going out on uh seven o'clock on thursday we're going to be welcoming british canoeing chief executive david joy and the chair of british canoeing john Coyne. so that will be your chance to ask some questions of these guys and uh, find out what uh get some answers about our amazing sport um for all of you all out there please uh keep pitching questions in 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 the, in, in on the social media and you can always join in the conversation during the show via, you know, Facebook and all that. So please get in touch. All our episodes that we've done are out there on British Canoe and Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. You can definitely see on them. And all our stuff, as I said earlier, is out there on audio podcasts. But what I want to wish you a very, very good evening. Stay safe out there. Enjoy your time. And, uh, well, I look forward to seeing you all next week. Stay safe. And thank you once again, Hugo, for being with us.